Do you ever wonder how your favorite country artist got to where they are today? We had no fear whatsoever. In fact, we we probably made a lot of mistakes. People go, what are they doing? They're not ready for this. But we were so hungry to be out there in front of people that we probably should have spent a little more time honing our craft <laughs> before we just dove in. Did success come easy or was it a long, hard road? I wasn't sure I was going to make it at all, but I just kept like the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. What advice would they give to a young artist? The greatest advice Elvis ever gave me. If you ever forget where you came from, you're never going to get where you want to go. Meet our co-hosts, Candy O'Terry and J.C. Don Valeris. They sat down with icons in the music industry, and you've got a front row seat. Welcome to Country Music Success Stories. Oh, we just can't wait for you to hear this interview. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. And I'm J.C. Don Valeris. It's a little overwhelming to be invited into the home of one of your all-time idols, but that's what happened when we finally landed this interview with Cara Diaguardi. I mean, come on. She's a rock star in the music industry as a songwriter, a record producer, music publisher, singer, and founder of the new songwriting app called Bridge. The woman has written hits for superstars like Carrie Underwood and Kelly Clarkson, Miley Cyrus, the list goes on and on. She's a Grammy-nominated songwriter whose songs have sold over 160 million copies. But the best part is how down-to-earth she is. Her house was gorgeous, an old craftsman-style home that she and her husband restored with hardwood floors, giant windows, and a cozy sitting area that looked right out over her farmer's porch. We could have stayed there and talked for hours. Kara is a trailblazer for sure, and she's got lots of stories to tell about how she got to where she is today. Born in Ossining, New York, and raised just outside of New York City, I started out our interview by asking Kara Diaguardi if she always knew what she wanted to do with her life. I don't think I knew what I was eventually going to go into because I didn't know that there was a career for that. I didn't really understand what songwriting was. And I had always been a kid who heard melodies in my head and had a voice. My dad would sort of put me on the spot, though, and ask me to sing at like family events in a restaurant. And I developed stage fright at an early age, just the fear of not doing it right or not being perfect. And I didn't really like being put on the spot. So at a certain point, I was like, I'm not going to sing. And I think back then, I was probably a bit of a perfectionist or sort of judging myself harshly as a kid. So I kind of shut that down and was like, what is everybody else around me doing? You know, where everyone's just going to school, they're going to go to college, they're going to be lawyers or doctors. And so I followed them. And when I got to Duke, I realized that I kind of went through a depression and I was not feeling happy. And I had to almost look at myself and go, what is this? And I felt so unlike everyone around me. And I'd been pretending I was like everyone around me, but I wasn't. I was creative. And at that point, I just said, you know what? I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to go back to my love of music and singing. And people were like, you sing? What? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) really? And so I graduated school and 
got into a garage band, which my parents were not thrilled with. But I got a job at Billboard magazine, and that's really when I started to learn about the music business and understand that there were songwriters out there who wrote songs and understand that if I wanted to be an artist, I had to write my own material or have somebody else write my own material. And since I couldn't get anyone else to write my material at 23, because they were like, you're living at home with your parents, doesn't sound like you're going anywhere, I just started to write my own songs. And at first they were not good at all because I wasn't trained in any one instrument. And I really didn't come from a family where you were kind of in touch with what you were feeling and could express that every moment of the day. And that for me is where the core of songwriting really lies. It's in knowing who you are and being able to look at those dark corners inside of you and really learn how you tick and figure out how to express that in a way that's unique. They say that the album, the cassette, the CD that you bought when you were 14 years old, musically kind of defines you. Mm -hmm. For me, that was Linda Ronstadt's Heart Like a Wheel. Go back. What do you remember? I remember I had to, Kara, I had to save my babysitting money to go out and buy that record. What do you remember about that time in your life? I feel like I was an avid Prince and Whitney Houston fan. And then later Mariah. There was something about soul and melodies that were soulful that really connected to me on an emotional place. Even certain rock albums, but more I would say soul. And they became kind of the soundtrack to my life, but they were kind of where I defaulted when I was wanting to feel emotions that I couldn't really say back then. I couldn't express that were just sort of inside me. And I would hear even some Michael Jackson songs, Human Nature. It spoke to the pain inside me, mm. or sort of the melancholy. Because I think there was a sort of bittersweetness about how I viewed the world back then. Just sort of understanding from a young age that you can't have the joy without the pain. And I felt like a lot of soul music kind of tapped into that. Well, you mentioned Mariah Carey, and I had the chance to interview her years ago. She told me that she had a purple journal that was filled with all of her songs, but they had started out more like stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that was like you said, you know, that was how she dealt with her pain. Yeah. And her mom thought she was doing her homework and she was in her room with her purple journal, which she hid in a little cabinet, didn't want anybody to see it, writing songs that were emotional for her. Yeah. It sounds like that was very similar for you. Yes. And actually, I feel like I kind of learned her process early on where she could use her voice as her instrument and her melodies and then use that sense to join them with her lyrics or what she was feeling. Like some of those early songs like Vision of Love that she kind of wrote them alongside a musician. So they would play and she would hear the melody and feel the lyrics. And I kind of really related to that because I wasn't a great player. So for me, my voice was my instrument. And I remember, you know, years of writing songs, if I'd lose my voice, I knew it was going to be a bad session. There was no way I could write a song without using my voice. You had mentioned being in a garage band. Garage band. Take us yeah. back to that. Like what kind of songs were you singing? They were <laughs> the like, smile on your they face. were definitely like <laughs> the Bob Dylan songs and like some Rolling Stones and <laughs> Beatles. So it was like definitely a little left of center of where I was at that point, which right. was more into commercial pop. And I remember going in there and being like, you know, I wrote this song and they'd be like, yeah, no, that's not cool. <laughs> and we were called Grandma Trips, which was got to be the worst name ever. We would play in coffee bars, and I was kind of fighting for them to listen to my songs, and they were kind of like, 
oh, maybe we'll let you do one song or whatever. Are there any tapes hidden away of any oh, of God, these? I'm sure there are. I have to go in the garage, though, and find them all. It's kind of like um, me trying to find old air checks. Yeah, I'm going to be like 85, totally 90. I'm going to be rocking out and be like, wow, okay. <laughs> I was pretty good. Um, not so bad. But it was such a great experience because I got to perform live and I got to feel supported by a band and... It kind of solidified my desire to do this. And that's when I started realizing that if I was going to be a band and they wouldn't let me write my own material, it wasn't going to really work. So I kind of went the solo route. You pivoted from wanting to have this career as a singer into songwriting. Was that a conscious decision or was it a hard decision for you to make or did it just evolve naturally? Well, I think because of the way I was raised, I wanted to support myself. I always wanted to have my own money because I knew that that was freedom and I'd be able to do what I wanted in life on my terms. And that was important to me. So I think because I had a job at Billboard, eventually I had a really good job there. And when I went to leave, in my mind, I had a certain two years or so and I was going to make the decision like, was I going to go back to my career or really stay in music? I got signed to a singles deal and it wasn't going where I wanted it to go. And people started hearing my songs and they were like, hey, can our artist use this? And I was like, if that's going to keep me from going back to my day job. Yeah. So it was a way of keeping the dream alive. And what I realized is it really was more suited to my personality. I like to jump around to different things. I love to go every day to the studio and express something that I was feeling that day in a different genre with a different producer. And as an artist, you know, you can be singing that same record and those songs for three, six, eight months, you know, on tour. And also you don't really have a lot of, um, until you're really big, a lot of say in your, your schedule. And for me, I was just somebody who really loved freedom. I loved being able to wake up every day and just dream of what I wanted my day to be. And that really suits my personality, kind of jumping all over the place and doing a lot of different things. It's very stimulating for me. And, and, you know, it's so funny people will say like, you're doing all these other things now. You don't write as much or you don't really write. You know, I haven't ruled it out. I wouldn't say I would never write again. It's just I'm not drawn to it the way I was right now. And I do think creativity lives in, in many places. There's no one way to be creative. Right. I think everyday people are creative and they don't even understand that they are creating their own life, that mm -hmm. they do have say. And I just kind of live my life by that. Like, what do I want my day to look like also taking into consideration that I have a family and I want to be with them too. So, and While friends. doing all the things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we interviewed one of your very good friends, Rita Wilson this week, oh, yeah. and she told us a piece of advice that you gave her. She was afraid to begin writing music because she thought she didn't know how to. You said to her, and I quote, do you have something you want to say? And she did, and that began her songwriting career. She completely credits you with that. Is there a specific song in your catalog that you feel like you got something off your chest that you really got to say? I think the song that I really enjoyed writing the most and I think had something very important to say for both me and the writer was Sober. Whether you've struggled with sobriety or struggled with anything that is addictive, it could be a relationship, it could be anything. I love that sentiment of, you know, how do I feel this high or how do I feel this good when I'm not doing something that maybe isn't good for me? I don't want to be the girl who laughs the loudest Or the girl who never wants to be alone I don't want to be that kind 
struggle with that and it doesn't have to be even addiction based it could be a negative thought pattern that you have in your head or it could be a bad relationship or it could be someone who's toxic in your life and it's a certain comfort or there's a certain high that you get by being in that but then you know at the end of the day it's gonna end you in a low well one of the things that you've also done is you've been really instrumental in building the careers of so many artists Gail Ingrid Andress Jason Derulo there are so many but it takes so much more than just talent to have a successful career. So what ingredients do you look for when you are looking at a young artist and you say, that's the one I want to help? I really want to help artists who really want to help themselves. For me, it's like, if you're giving me 100%, I'm going to give you 100%. If you're only into it like 20, then that's all I can meet you at. When you're speaking about those artists beyond their incredible talent and something that they also had to say. Because for me, that's where it all begins. You know, people always say, that's so interesting. You listen to the lyrics. If you have something to say, we can figure out how to say it. I spent a lot of time in the beginning of my career, sometimes with artists who really weren't sure of what they wanted to say. And we would pull from my stories and then that would help them kind of open up. So for me, it's about what you have to say. And then it's how badly do you want it? Because if you really want it badly, then I can help you. But if you're afraid of the light and we get right up there and then you're kind of like, eh, I'm not sure, then there's not much I can do. Yeah. That's not really something you can teach, I guess. No, it's sort of like an instinct. It's drive. It's motivation. Right. right. The way that you and I initially connected was through your app that yes. you co-founded called Bridge. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with a concept for something like this? So a friend of mine, Brooke Morrow, who worked at BMI at the time, her daughter Georgie and her daughter's friend Griffin had had this idea for like a Tinder-esque way to match songwriters. And I liked the idea of it, but I felt like I didn't really want it to feel like a Tinder. I wanted it to be deeper than that. And I wanted to add this element of a psychometric survey or a way for the app to kind of figure out more about you, how you work, who you are, how you view the world. Because I do think there's chemistry that happens in a room that makes people really work well together. And that's what A&R publishers, people do is they meet with as many people as they can. And they say, you know, you're really talented and this is kind of your vibe. And I think you'd work well with this person. So I wanted to kind of simulate that, but in a scalable way. And I also found that it was so hard for young artists and songwriters to find each other. Mm. And I wanted to create a platform that would allow them to discover each other and also to be discovered if, you know, they did the work. And for me, the work is many collaborations and meeting as many people as you can and writing as many songs and getting better and better and better. And I just hope that also for that kid that's 
somewhere in the country that they can't access other people that they can find that person on the app that can become their best co-writer, their advocate, and maybe even their really good friend and yeah. help them express themselves and even get through some of the tough times too. Right. And one of the holes that I think Bridge is filling is you're also giving these young creators access to people in the industry that mm-hmm. they would otherwise have no way to connect with. There's someone in the middle of nowhere who has the opportunity to talk to you and so many other people. That is filling a gigantic hole. You know, yesterday we had a pop-up here and you sat with 10 songwriters and artists and sort of critiqued their songs. And, you know, I think a lot of times people, and I, and I hope to send this message on the app, part of it is this is a process. It's a journey. It's not just about like being discovered right now. It took me years to write. I mean, I wrote hundreds of songs before I got to that one. So the choice is, do you want to write the songs because you want to become the world's biggest songwriter or artist? Or is this something you love for your heart to meet people that satisfies you and all are welcome? I hope to lead with a positive, but also say, you know, hey, this is the work you need to do. And it's really up to the creator to do that work. And it's only my one opinion, but it's an opinion based on years and years of listening to music and being in the industry. So hopefully that's helpful. Well, that's the ingredients that makes up the greatest kind of mentor, which you are. And that's just so incredible. If you could go back and have a conversation with your younger self, what would you most want her to know about the music industry? Probably that there's just no rhyme or reason to it. It was kind of the wild, wild west for me. I think I probably got tripped up at times because I didn't see something coming. It's not that I don't care. I do care what people say, but I don't want to be controlled by it. And I think that's the difference is that people say, oh, it's like, you know, you just do your own thing. And it's like, no, I do care. I don't want to hurt people or I don't want to be known as that difficult person. But that to me could control me. And then the things that I really want to bring into this world, I wouldn't be able to do because I'm held back by other people's ideas about what I can and cannot do or who I am. It's hard to be a songwriter and be polite. It's hard to be someone in the business who's been there for years and not offend someone or do something that they take the wrong way. I think it's about going back and taking stock for, did you do that? And if you didn't, moving on. And if you did, fixing it. You co-wrote six tracks on Kelly Clarkson's second album, her sophomore album, Breakaway, including her hit, Walk Away. Talk about that. Yeah, Walk Away was a trip because it was with a married couple and they had just had a baby. And so we were kind of struggling to come up with something. And the woman, Chantal, I don't even know if she was breastfeeding in the set. I feel like she may have been. And it was just like kind of distracting because they were married. And then I had an idea and the husband was like, I really like that. And then the wife was like, no, well, let's do this. And I felt like, oh God, this is like a trip. And then she left and I thought, walk away for some reason. She just walked away and I was like, that's the song. People can move in and out of a room or do something or say something or trip and it just sparks an idea. I'm known for like sweeping and talking to like someone that I'm working with because ideas come to me when I'm almost not concentrating on them. I almost have to take my focus off to allow myself not to judge 
what's coming in. I think when I'm too in front of it and it's like, we got to write a great song, we got to write a great song, I'm like so freaked out that it can't do anything. So when you say sweeping, do you mean you sweep the floor? Oh yeah, just yesterday I was sweeping, right? Anything that grounds you, anything that feels normal, that makes you be in your body, in yourself, in your mind. And I think it's very hard to create even ideas when you're not grounded, when you're not like living in the real world. I've always had my best ideas, like if I was in the shower or if I went outside to get coffee or get somebody else coffee. And that sometimes is where the stream of consciousness comes in, you know, because I swim every day Mm -hmm. and that's where that rhythmic back Mm -hmm. and forth thing. I go to this Zen place where I get some of my best ideas while I'm in the pool. Carrie Underwood, undo it. Wow. So that was a shower song, actually. I was like nervous to go to that session because I wasn't really a country writer and I'd heard she was pretty reticent and kind of quiet and I'm Italian. So like if people aren't speaking, I, I start to sweat. So I came with some ideas and one was undo it. And I was sort of thinking back to unbreak my heart. And I don't know why I kept thinking of that song that day, but I was like, I loved the idea of undoing something mainly because there were a lot of things I wanted to undo at that moment. So, you know, I just got out of the shower and put it down. And then when I went to the studio, I kind of sang her the idea. And she was like, I love it. And we did it. And we actually wrote Mama's song that same day. So it was actually in four hours. I think we wrote those two songs. It's crazy. You stole my happy, you made me cry. sister would kill me if she knew I was sitting here and I didn't ask you about an Ashley Simpson song because she and I used to go see Ashley Simpson all the time we were growing up. So I have to ask you about Lala. Oh my God, Lala. So Lala, I'm kind of nervous for my kid to ever hear that song because it's like basically a song about sex. It's true. It's like, I think I said something like, I'm like an alley cat. I want to drink the milk. I don't know what I was thinking that day. As a Catholic, like nobody talked about sex. It was kind of like, yeah, I'm like on the kitchen, like an alley cat, and like drinking. Ma- I mean, it was, you know, it was a little wild. And so, you know, for, it was very freeing. And she was very freeing about her sexual. And that's what it was. Is she would talk a lot about boys and sex. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe her talking like that. Like, that's so crazy. You know, because I was this like repressed Catholic. You make me want a la-la. And it was really like, you know what that is. You make me want. I deeply believe in God, but I've kind of taken the best of what I could take from the Catholic religion, which to me is like pretty much the commandments if you follow those, which is always funny to me because if you really follow them, you'd pretty much accept everybody, right? But anyway, yeah, la la, like, I don't think my dad ever heard that. Coloring way outside the lines on that one, right? Yeah. Sales of albums featuring songs you've written, over 160 million worldwide, Kara. Congratulations. So the chances of you hearing one of your songs on a long car ride 
is pretty high. You know, I hear more of them at like the gym or the grocery store, which I don't go. know if that's... That counts. What do you do when you hear one of your songs? Usually I don't really do anything. I kind of just like chuckle to myself that like I look like a hot mess who just came from the gym. And once in a while I'll turn to someone and be like, I wrote that song. And they're like, listen, crazy lady. <laughs> I'm like, no, I really wrote it. And they're like, yeah, whatever. And that's kind of the fun of it. You it's, know, that's the greatest part about being a songwriter, though, because you can have this whole life that nobody knows about. It's one thing to hear your song. It's another thing to see it paired up with a visual in a movie, on a TV show, in a commercial. I'm thinking about Hannah Montana, Glee, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even know that. <laughs> the squeak <Wow>. wolf. <laughs> that's amazing. That's got to be a good feeling. It is. I mean, you know, I would say the best feeling for me is when it's first created because it's so pure and it's just coming out of you. And then I always just kind of release it and it goes where it's going to go. And I'm just hopeful that on the other end, somebody feels something from it and that it serves its purpose there. So I never really got too attached. It was like, for me, I fought in the studio for the purity of that moment. And then afterwards, I knew I had to kind of let it go. So many of the roles that you have taken on in the music industry have evolved from a place of being curious and being very brave. And also, it's been a male-dominated industry for you, and you've had to make your way. Being pushed into an area that you might have felt uncomfortable about, mm -hmm. but you did it anyway, and you took that step. Talk a little bit about being brave to accomplish your goals in the music industry. It's funny. I think in the beginning, I don't know if it's brave or stupidity. It could just be that I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing. And I think it was an innate thing because I see it with my son. If he gets an idea in his head, there is just no getting him off it. So I do think there's something about drive, someone's determination to do something. And sometimes it can be a really positive thing because it's you're determined to do something that is important. And where you have to watch out is when you're determined to do something and the signs along the way are telling you, it's not a good idea. I think at times I was so determined that I may have actually ended up in situations that were not the best for me. But because I was like, I'm doing this, I've made up my mind, I kind of stuck with it. So I, I would say that I was brave, but I was also, I didn't have the perspective I have now. And I think my background of being Italian and being kind of feisty and just pushing through things probably got me to where I am today. But there were also some things that I had to go through that just were not cool. And we haven't had really a lot of discussion around Me Too in the music business. I mean, we have had some of it, but the thing with music is there's so much sex in music that the lines can really be blurred. And especially when I was coming up, there were a lot of men and, and I love men. I actually think I'm a better creator and business person because a lot of men who I've learned from. So what I think is that it's not a man issue. It's like just more of a like, that's just not cool. And we don't cross those lines. And we need to send that message to everybody. I wish I would have said something my own career back when I was going through it, but I knew I was going to sacrifice that moment of getting to where I am. And I feel like where I am has in some ways influenced a lot of other women and a lot of people in their careers. So I feel good about that. You had mentioned your son. How did motherhood change you? It just really makes you look at everything about you that you need to work on mm -hmm. because there's no rewrite. 
you can't go back and like change the production. It's real time. And you're always looking for that moment that you don't want to have imprint on them, you know, and it could just be a bad day where you're stressed out or you're, you know, and you were to say something or not be there or whatever it is. And little kids, they get imprinted on. And those are the things they remember. A parent is a funny word. I feel like I'm a guide. I'm there to like see what he's into and then just pour some gasoline on that (laughs) and Riley try to listen to him. And also making sure that he doesn't feel like the world revolves around him. I, you know, I only have one child with me at home. I have a stepdaughter and she's amazing, but she's older. So he's growing up kind of, he could be the center of the world there. And I don't want him to be that because for me, the most important thing you can be in this world is resilient. What are you most proud of? The thing I'm most proud of in my life has nothing to do with music. It has to do with when my mom was ill. And then I knew at such a young age that I needed to be there for her and I needed to prioritize that above everything else. There's such a sense of relief and of feeling like I did everything I could. And I think if we could all live knowing that we did everything we could, we said everything we needed to say, and we were the best versions of ourselves. Not to say that I'm always the best version of myself, because I'm not, but the moments that I am, I'm proud of because it takes a lot to be the best version of yourself. We all have demons and we all have stories and we all fail every day. So it's when we really do something right, being proud of that. And I don't feel that success is really about gold records and money. That's not, to me, the success. No one's going to talk about that at my funeral. Final question. Fill in the blank. The key to my success in the music industry has been drive. I want to say thank you so much for being our guest on Country Music Success Stories. And thank you so much for inspiring me and so many people. I'm going to cry like at the end of this interview. Oh my God, thank you're you so, so much sweet. for inspiring everyone Aww. with your incredible resilience in the music industry and for being a guest on our podcast. We're so happy to be here with you today. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Wait, we've got a bonus interview for you. Meet this week's emerging artist. We had the chance to showcase the winner of Cara Diaguardi's Bridge App Contest in Nashville at CMA Fest, live on the Rhinestone stage at the Glen Campbell Museum. Her name is Christiana Allaire. Here's a piece of our Green Room interview. Turns out she was only 16 when she moved to Nashville from Georgia to pursue a career in country music. When people ask me, oh, how is Nashville or how do you like Nashville? How do you like living there? My first thing that I always say is it is such a small town in a big city. And when I first moved here, I thought I was going to be that small fish in the big pond. And I realized that it's just so inclusive. Everybody is on an equal playing field because they all just want everybody to succeed. When I first got here, I actually had the opportunity at Belmont to listen to a convocation from Stephanie Davenport, who was working at Warner, and she said, a rising tide raises all ships. And that is one thing that I have never been able to forget since I've lived here. Well, one of the reasons we're here today at the Glen Campbell Museum is because you are the winner of Cara Diaguardi's Bridge App 
competition where thousands of people voted for you to be here today. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, that was the craziest thing. I was on vacation and I saw it pop up on my Instagram that we could enter into a contest to be able to play at CMA Fest. So of course, you know, I'm scrubbing through all my videos, finding the best one minute I can find and just blindly entered, not thinking anything of it. But the first round went really well. And then the second round went well. And then the third round was a little bit tighter. And then the fourth round. And I just couldn't even believe that I had gotten to that point. But I was harassing everybody I knew to vote for me and help me and support me. And honestly, they pulled through, clearly, because that was just awesome. But also, we only won by four votes. So it was a very, very tough competition. I can tell you that I voted for you from the very first round, which is so crazy because, you know, I mean, it's just it's all by luck with who's going to see you and who's going to vote for you. So maybe one of those four votes, you can say thank you to me. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And I do thank you for that. Everybody's like, I voted right before the contest ended. And I was like, whoever it was that got me those four votes, kudos to you. I love you so much. Apps like Bridge are so important because they really do help connect artists to each other, creators to each other. What are some of the benefits you've received by personally being connected to Bridge? So I actually had the opportunity to join Kara as well as 10 other artists here locally. And we did a pop-up event yesterday and she critiqued our original songs. We got up to perform for the whole group. And immediately after that, I had multiple DMs asking to write and setting up co-writes with people, producers. Kara even pointed to somebody and said, I think you should get in contact with this producer. And one of them was there, was like, I would love to work with you. So, I mean, it's immediately when you meet somebody, they are ready to work with you, to connect. And that's just the beauty of Bridge. What an incredible mentor Kara is, helping so many artists across all genres of music. Has she given you a piece of advice that you think you'll take with you into your career? Oh, absolutely. And more than just one from everything that she said yesterday, as well as today after my performance. But the biggest thing is that she said something about how she really wants me to dive deeper into being a young, fun teenager. My writing style is slightly on the mature side. And so she wants me to kind of look into that and also just like feel emotionally connected with the audience and with my songs that I'm singing rather than just being a storyteller. Great advice. I have single-handedly convinced at least four people to move here full-time and pursue music at the highest level that they can. The advice that I would give them would be to hit the ground running, meeting people. The second that you get here, go out, immerse yourself in the community. Everybody there is looking to meet you and they want to, they're going to be accepting of you. So you just have to put yourself out there because no one else is going to help you get there. You have to do it yourself. So when I got here, the first thing I did was just meet every person that I could and start writing. I mean, you get tired of sending the DMs. You want to write sometime, but it is the most helpful thing in the entire world. If you come here and you just put all your energy into meeting everyone you can. Well, we want to thank you so much for being a guest on Country Music Success Stories. What can we expect from you over the next few months? What do you have going on? So I am currently in the recording process of three new singles. So hopefully within the next two months, I'll have a couple new singles out and I'm working towards an accompanying tour as well. So hopefully either a tour of the South or a tour of my home state of Georgia. And where can people get all the information on where to see you on tour? So you can find me at all social medias and all streaming platforms at Christiana Allaire on Instagram, Christiana.Allaire. And everything is always updated on there. Feel free to reach out to me anytime because I will respond. Thank you so much for being part of today and a part of our podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. There they are, Candy O'Terry and J.C. Don Valeris, two award